The first comet-based disaster of 1998, Speed Racer zooms into theaters and a case of mistaken born identity. This week on 30-20-10. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 30-20-10, your weekly pop culture time machine through 30, 20, and 10 years in the past. Get it? Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who is here with me? Uh, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and then you have Diana Goodman. Diana Goodman, <laughs> and a uh, special guest, my friend uh, who I wanted to join us for 30 20 10. Say hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Oh, come on. <laughs> Don't pull that naked gun shit on me. Uh, hi. Hi. Sarah has been my uh, TV and movie buddy for quite a while, and, and what I love most, you're way more caught up with the 08 stuff uh, than I am. So true. Yes, but I love Sarah, and I can't wait for you to love her, too, because we're talking about a bunch of stuff on 302010 this week. We talk about the movies, video games, television, music released 30, 20, and 10 years ago this week. This week being May 4th through the 10th, 1988, 1998, and 2008. Let's all discuss where we were are, what we were watching, and please, by all means, fill in the gaps in the comments on 302010.net. We obviously can't, we can't have watched everything over the period of 30 years, but let's take a little trip back in the past right now. Is everybody ready for 1988? Yeah. 1988. We are at May 4th <laughs> through the 10th. Look, yes. Yeah. Is that not enthusiastic? No. <laughs> feign any kind of emotion you want right now because it's not a terribly exciting week in 1988. Well, and I was two, you so t- <laughs> I have a lot of opinions about oh, that period of time. She's a tiny baby. He's a little baby, but you can reflect and laugh at the adults. Yes, yes. And I, I'm barely, I feel barely cognizant. If it wasn't animated, I wasn't watching it. But I got a tiny bit of news to start off May 4th through the 10th in 1988. The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson has finally resumed taping after a lengthy hiatus due to a writer's strike, which is weirdly, we've talked about it in previous episodes, is bookending 302010. There's a writer's strike in 08 and 98. No, 88, my bad. Yeah. It was a long one, too. I want to say the 88 one is like the longest or second longest ever for the Writers Guild. Yeah, it went on a long time. Well, Carson's back on, and it is wild stuff, I gotta tell you. I'll <laughs> never do that impression again, by the way. I do not do it, Johnny Carson. Well, is you, it even Carson at this point, though? Because Jay Leno was subbing in, like, more yeah. than 50% of the time. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, hold on, we'll, maybe we'll get to that. Movies of 1988, Colors is still number one, tragically knocking Beetlejuice off the number one slot once again. Bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. And as for that, I just wanted to mention two movies I have heard of. Because holy shit, there's not a lot else uh, in 1988. May 4th through the 10th. Is this 68, Diana? Yeah, 68. So close. um, So close. It's not. I mean, it's about 1968 in France, I guess, which which was a pretty crazy year. Uh, It's directed by uh, one of my professors from film school. Oh, what? Yeah. Hey, Mr. Kovach. Thanks for teaching film history 200. It was the year of war. It was the year of love. It was the year of revolution. It was the year of music. It was the year of the Forrest Gump soundtrack. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a bunch well, of... Well, I mean, I guess the cliches hadn't completely locked in yet. I mean, you got it. If Vietnam is involved, Credence has to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can go with Fortunate Son. You can go run through the jungle. And but, I, I've been yeah. meaning to research Credence. I was record shopping and... Pulled out an album, and it's Creedence Clearwater Revival album I know my parents had. They had it on tape and record and CD. 
And I just picked it up and it says, Creedence Clearwater Revival featuring John Fogarty. I'm like, oh my God, what lawsuit <laughs> what? transpired here? What? Even I know Yikes. this features John Fogarty. What happened? Anyway, I digress. Oh man, John Fogarty is going to be involved in the best lawsuit of all time coming up later this year. Ooh. Uh, we also have coming out this week, Jack's Back. I, I wanted to read it as Jack's, Jack's Black. Uh, but no, it stars James Fader and Cynthia Gibb. One hundred years ago, there was a series of murders so grisly. <laughs> Some theorize that Jack the Ripper was a medical man. I believe that would also apply in this case. Human mutilations so meticulous. My brother didn't kill anybody. That an entire city was paralyzed in fear. That is, it is the return of Jack the Ripper in the 1980s. Oh, no. Have, have we hit the expiration date on Fascination with Jack the Ripper? Never, I no. don't think. No? I'll ask the ladies. You are the murder-obsessed <laughs> ones that keep solving crimes. It's true. Only after our death, though. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, yeah, but it's one that will, like, never be perfectly solved, so. Well, we'll never be able to get any, like, real satisfaction of, you know, seeing someone walk away in cuffs. Justice! Yeah, no perp walks for dead people. Yeah. You can only hope he died of like a syphilis-related illness or something. <laughs> yeah, you never should really eat those ladies' toes. You know, not washing your hands—that's what happens. You know, wash your hands, kids. I think I saw the next film. My best friend is a vampire. <laughs> What's it about? <laughs> <laughs> Ralph, I've got something to tell you. I'm, I'm a vampire. That's cool, man. That's all you're going to say to me? That's cool? Jeremy, you're my best friend. What do you want me to say? I think you're crazy? No, no. Remember I was telling you about that cop that was trailing me? Yeah. He told me that that woman who bit me was a vampire. He told me I was a vampire. A cop told you that? Ralph, he wasn't a cop. He's a vampire, too. Wow. (laughs) So supportive. Even in 1988. This is a allegory for homosexuality, no? It has to be. It has to be, right? It has to be. And I know I saw this, just I keep getting confused with Once Bitten with Jim Carrey. Right. Right. But it's no vampire's kiss if we're talking about 80s movies with the word vampire in the title. I also have Shakedown uh, with Peter Weller and Sam Elliott. Spellcaster starring Adam Ant and Gail O'Grady. Yeah, a group of people are killed one by one while participating on a million-dollar treasure hunt on a mysterious Italian castle. This is a crazy foreign production, uh, but I really wanted to get into the next film, which... Did you see this with us, Sarah? I don't think so. So one of our friends gifted this to me for Christmas on VHS. This is the first movie uh, in 1988 that I have right around me on VHS. That would be Dead Heat. Uh, the, the Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo starring buddy cop movie uh, that's also a zombie comedy. Sure. <laughs> How did this get made? Has a problem. He's dead. But Detective Bigelow is bringing him back alive. Have something on the monitor, Captain. Yuck. Joe Piscopo <laughs> starring in anything. And he's just like that nice and muscular Joe Piscopo with a terrible mullet. Curly mullet. Curly mullet, but it's... The best kind. It's a buddy cop comedy, only now they're both white. Uh, but one of them is undead and slowly decaying. Uh, I believe that that did not say his full character name. Oh Roger Mortis. Roger Mortis. <gasps> yeah, that's what... That's his name. But I will say it has one of the most astounding sequences ever because this is not 
a voodoo hex or whatever causes zombies in the Romero universe. It's a technology. And there's a scene in a butcher shop where they bring all the dead cuts of animals back to life. That's this incredibly, incredibly, incredibly impressive piece of puppetry and effect sequence in this otherwise dull and stupid fucking movie. Dead heat. <laughs> and I was telling your, your husband about it, Sarah, and it's not to be confused with Raw Heat, the also Ooh. disappointing Jim Belushi and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm. Where Arnold, how do you make a movie where Arnold Schwarzenegger plays a Russian cop and have it be shitty? I was hoping Raw Heat would be a neurotic thriller. No, Damn. no. Someday we have to start. I guess with two ladies on the show, we can definitely dig more into erotic thrillers I love as an er- we go forward. Erotic thriller. They do not make them anymore. They don't. And I want to do a whole show about that no. on our sister show, Laser Time. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I know a dude who like works exclusively in that industry. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that nice. Um, can we move into television of 1988? Yes, please. 1988, May 4th through the 10th. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. Um, it's an episode of Night Court. Not terribly remarkable. Max millions. Max yeah. uh, Mac inherits $2 million, then loses it through the course of the episode. It's just that we lost Harry Anderson mm. since we last recorded. Yeah. yeah. And it was shocking to me to learn his backstory. That he is not an actor, even though he is a great centerpiece for a traditional sitcom, which I don't think Night Court was. It jumped out at me in a time when I didn't like a lot of sitcoms. I thought it was dirtier, funnier, weirder. Uh, But that he's a street hustling magician. That's his past. He eventually got gigs on like Letterman and SNL. And like, I love Harry Anderson. Yeah, I just learned yeah. that about him too. I love anyone who has a secret magician past. That's uh, it's like him and Neil Patrick Harris. That's it. Yeah, well, Neil Patrick Harris. That's not so secretive. He yeah, loves trotting that out. I, um, yeah. No, but it is it is weird to think of Harry Anderson as the lead on a show, even though it was like an ensemble show, obviously. But it's like it, it's like the perfect gig for him would be like on Cheers, where he was Harry the Hat. He'd come on every now and then. Con everybody and leave. That's how he got the gig, essentially. It was bizarre for him to say, like, I am not a trained actor and I suck, and they named the character after me so I would respond because he's so good on that show. <laughs> he's so good on that show. Um, but I'm going to talk about Night Court again on 302010. This is not going to stop. I, I swear to Christ, that bummed me out a lot for some reason. Harry Anderson dying a little early. He just seemed like yeah. such a nice guy. Like, right. seemed like someone who somehow escaped scandal. Yeah, made like his millions a- in, in television and, like, was opening up, like, New Orleans magic shops and, like, pursuing magic, essentially. There's nothing more earnest than a magician. So I kind of, <laughs> it's sad to lose some that kind of earnestness. And, uh, Diane, I'll need your help for the next show. On May 7th, 1988, uh, this happened. Uh, we've also lost Facts of Life, if I can keep things no. just as sad. Uh, I have never seen this show. but Same. It, it's a punch- Really? Yeah, I mean, I think it was kind of ubiquitous, and I sort of ignored it when it was on, but I was a big fan of Different Strokes, and that was about it, just because I had Arnold to latch on to. This is a show with like mostly all women in an all-girls private school, right? Yeah, it started as an all-girls private school, and then they aged out of that, so they opened a bakery. <laughs> um, as you do. And they started... Losing cast members and getting them replaced with Cloris Leachman. And um, it's fine. So you don't have any nostalgia for it like I do with Growing Pains? I I guess a little bit. And mm-hmm. that, you know, the characters... It's one of those shows where it's like all the characters are kind of a type. Mm-hmm. And in reality, they would never, ever talk to each other. Mm-hmm. But, you know, everyone, they did a fine job. It was It was fine. It was fine. It's not a horrible show. It's not a great show. 
it's an acceptable show. That's so crazy that what Diana's calling an unexceptional show ran for nine fucking seasons. Oh. <laughs> uh, and the girls go their separate ways, but on the last episode, we meet special guests, Miam Bialik, Seth Green, and Juliet Lewis. Oh, Blossom. Little wow. time. Yeah. Wow. Oz and whatever, whatever her name was from Natural Born Killers. I don't know a famous Juliet Lewis role. Um, <laughs> but I had this, I want to surprise both of you with this, but Diana, I know Diana researched it too. This blew my mind. May 8th, a special TV movie aired in 1988. Starting Sunday. Who is he? Story of romance and intrigue. Jason, I'm terrified. Richard Chamberlain. Marie, I'm a hired killer. Jacqueline Smith. Take her to the river. Robert Ludlum's best-selling thriller. Born Identity. Whoa. The Born Identity. Yep. No, I remember this because I remember my dad read the book because he was traveling a lot for work. And so he wanted to watch it. And I was like, I don't care. It, it looks like a, it's so hard to reconcile the clips, the footage from that movie, these slow moving out of shape white dudes, the stable camera <laughs> bolted to the floor with the Bourne series as we know it right now. Robert, Robert Ludlum, is that his name? Yes. I'm guessing that was probably a, a failed pilotish kind of thing. They probably wanted to adapt the other books into movies as well. And this one just didn't take off. But we got a version of the Bourne Identity. 30 fucking years ago. I had no idea. You know I'm putting that in the description to throw everyone off. Going to get all that SEO. (laughs) Uh, And also on May 8th, Our House takes a bow. I don't even remember what that show was about, but I vaguely remember the intro. Is that the one with Wilford Brimley and Doherty? I thought that's the only reason I remembered it. Human walrus, Wilford Brimley. Right. And he's raising some orphans or his grandkids or... That's all you could do in 80 sitcoms is raise children. That's That's all you could do. (laughs) Um, but th- what I really did want to show you, the, the show Dolly takes a bow as well. One, I think one of three Dolly Parton talk shows uh, that they just keep giving her. Because Dolly, like I said, I went with a friend who's obsessed with Dolly Parton to see, like, yeah, sure, I'll go see Dolly Parton. It's not expensive. I'll go see her live. It was the most diverse crowd of people I have ever seen in California. Every color, nice. age, uh, everybody was there. I, I felt like I'd been missing out on something. It turns out I knew all her songs anyway. I saw, by her, the people. I saw her here in mm-hmm. 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and she was fantastic and mm-hmm. huge I fan. I gotta say, she's 70 years old, and she played yakety sax on the saxophone and then did it backwards <laughs> while spinning in a circle. <laughs> she's 70. And then grabbed a guitar and jumped on the piano. Like, it was insane. That woman never even sat down. You see, I would totally watch a, a Dolly Parton talk show. Me too. I mean, especially if she even just did a podcast or something, or just like once every couple of years... Did something because she's just so adorable and charming. I think her in yes. her only her only crutch is that like seeing her live, she was like refused to say anything controversial. Y'all hear about this oh, crap no. in the news? Anyway, you gotta love everybody. <laughs> like, come on, Dolly, say something bad about the president. Just do it. I'd love to see like a one woman show where it's less music and more stories. Dude, her telling stories she would yeah. kill that. It would be it would sell out everywhere. She has been in every corner of show business True. throughout like the last forty years. I want a one-woman show just about 9 to 5, actually. Yeah. She can just do the whole yes. show, just 9 to 5 stories. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, we also lost Spencer for Hire, but who cares about that? And Crime Story finale bows on the 10th. And that is it for the television. Oh, Crime Story is an underrated fucking is it? show. I, I haven't heard of it. I finally caught up with it because they it about? it on <laughs> A&E a couple years ago. It's Dennis Farina in the 50s trying to break up the mob. Oh, shit, really? I'm into it. Don't bootleg hooch guys. <laughs> Best and it was, uh, I mean, it was serialized. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of like actors kind of before they were famous. It was serious, but like serialized TV, you know, we didn't really go back 
back to it until like lost. Mm -hmm. And so it was just two seasons. I think one, he might be in Chicago and then they go to Vegas. Oh, he better be in Chicago. That's where Dennis Farina feels alive. If it's Farina, it's Chicago. Mm -hmm. I want to say Michael Mann produced it, but I, it's one of those things where like A&E was running it and I would like catch it getting breakfast before class in college and being like, why have I not heard about this? This is freaking awesome. Well, that closes out TV, video games. All you got to hang your head on is Acclaim's Rambo for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Just, oh. like, I have to represent the games here in front of all this lady energy, and especially Rambo. Sega somehow locked down an exclusive Rambo license when it was launching in the U.S. It had all these crazy licenses, Spider-Man, ALF. It seemed to know what to get, and this is, you get a really crappy Rambo game here. But there are good Rambo games out there, including one Sega made for arcades recently and is on Steam recently. Rambo has some good games. This is not one of them. Music of 1988, May 10th through, May 4th through the 10th. We have new releases. New Order uh, by Testament. Uh, Joy by Teddy Pendergrass and Love Sexy by Prince. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I think Sarah it's and I just... a very sexual lineup right there. It really is. And I kept ex- expecting New Order and Joy Division from all of those listings, and I didn't get a single bit of that. Yeah. Uh, Wishing Well by Terrence Trent Darby is number one, and we will close that with that. Stay right there, people. We will see you in 1998. Wish me love, wishing well, to kiss and tell. Oh, wishing well, Coming back to 1998 with Spark by Tori Amos off of From the Choir Girl Hotel, release, which releases this week in 1998. Once again, we are in May 4th through the 10th in 1998. Get those 80s out of your head, people. It's time to go straight 90s. There are new releases. Cruelty and the Beast by Cradle of Filth. A series of sneaks by Spoom. Sitting on Top of the World by Leanne Rimes. And there's One in Every Family by Fiend. Too Close by Nexus, still number one. So once again, please unbutton your shirts, everyone. And dance around. Hump couches if you have to. Love that song. Um, why do I have this under news? Why did I do that? Jump over the news real quick because, oh man, I have a really important movie for Lil' Chris. Um, movies of 1998, May 4th to the 10th. Woo! Starring Jada Pinkett. I don't believe she's Pinkett Smith just yet. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. She plays the titular character, woo, uh, against Tommy Davidson and LL Cool J. Bobby. Jada Pinkett Smith is woo. There's something special about her. So what she got? There's a vibe there. <laughs> that is my song. Ah. She's outspoken. So you want to dance? It's too late now. You don't want to dance? Boop. Leave a message. <laughs> it's the rare genre of uh, the black manic pixie dream girl. Uh, <laughs> Jada Pinkett Smith has it in woo. Huh. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. Because she's, yeah. she's even got the haircut. Yeah, totally. But it's a, it was an unforgettable poster. I know that. I saw. I definitely saw the movie. For some reason, after Booty Call, I'd watch anything Tommy Davidson was in. Even though I love them in Living Color. I don't know why Booty Call is so near and dear to me. But not anywhere near as near and dear to me as the possibly terrible Deep Impact. Hard to say. Well, I mean, it, it helps in comparison. Does it? Yeah, because uh, we got Armageddon coming up in the summer. I don't... So we got the one-two punch of asteroid movies, and this is by far the superior one. I Sorry, think... deal with it. I oh, think... thank you. I never saw Armageddon, and I am kind of took a stance on it my whole life. Deep Impact is better. 
And now it's I know, good to know that I'm vindicated. I hated Armageddon when it came out. <laughs> and I hate that it has a Criterion Edition DVD. Ew. Can we get it's that stricken from the record? It's so bad. It's so I say, it, is the, it is so Michael bay that it kind of, it hurts. It hurts my brain. I remember being exhausted. Because so it was like the Indiana Jones of asteroid movies. Like, you cannot create another dire situation after four seconds after the last one. Stop doing that. But I, I, Deep Impact is definitely the classier one. But, yeah. Definitely. And I like it more. And I had I had that special dumb story. I had never been out of the country before. My parents sent me uh, to Costa Rica to get my Spanish credit instead of going to jail. It's complicated. Um, and, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, the plot of the movie. It's complicated. And I, had, I and I hadn't seen a movie in English in about two weeks. And I went to their mall to see Impacto Profundo. <laughs> uh, it was Deep Impact. And it has all this rah-rah American horse shit. It was subtitled. It was in English. I could understand it. I cried a bunch, and I don't, at that point, I wasn't man enough to cry at movies, so Deep Impact was profoundly moving to me. It was one of the first things I picked up on DVD, but I don't, I can't honestly say without a hint of bias that it's a great film. If you anybody else wants to go to bat for it. It's an emotional film. I mean, I still think about the scene with Taylor Leone and her father facing down the tsunami, and it still gets me in the feels. I think it does the classier thing, whereas like Armageddon starts with like, like dandruff from the comet. Like, in Deep Impact, like, a part of the comet splits off and hits Earth first. So it's like you're bracing yourself for this impact, but then you get to see a little of it. And it's way more devastating. This isn't a piece of the Chrysler building going through Eddie Griffin's dog carriage. It is <laughs> it is like an entire seaboard wiped out, including, I do remember that scene, Taylor Leone hugging her dad for the last time as they're overcome by a fucking wave. And as it kills about half the cast in the oh, middle yeah. of the movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had to do that because, look, it's a disaster. Disaster movie, we're showing up. We we need to see some disaster totally. spectacle. You got to have a little bit of a disaster, but then the larger disaster is say it is solved by space Robert Duvall and all them's. That's right. Um, yeah. Again, we also have like we're gonna send some astronauts up to try to stop it. And that's what I thought was okay. interesting. Deep Impact focused on like life on the ground, like the apocalypse that happens during an yeah, ELE. Exactly. Like. Oh, they're going to like make, you know, decisions about who gets to go hide in mine caves and who doesn't. And yeah, it's like if you're over 60, you're screwed. If you don't have (laughs) vital knowledge to rebuild society, screw you. And here's a little Uh, clip from the trailer. A few minutes ago, the United States ambassadors to every country in the world told the leaders of those nations what I'm about to tell you. Last summer, two comets were discovered that are on a collision course with Earth. Oh my god! So I, I I still use ELE to as shorthand for extinction level event, which is no one catches up on, catches on. So <laughs> I should stop doing that. But I will say, if this movie gave us nothing else, it gave us at least two great Chappelle show sketches, where Chappelle plays <laughs> the black president delivering bad news. Oh, right. And it's it's from this. It's like Morgan Freeman's first term as president. I assume he's done it again, but I don't think he has. Oh. But uh, yeah. I don't know, but I feel like yeah, it's sort of. I don't know, it almost becomes like the cliche of like, well, it must be the near future if there's a black or a woman president <laughs> in the movie. True. Uh, well, this It's science fiction. That talking about like how the movie shows like what the government is doing kind of just like made something very clear to me that that is something I love and maybe it speaks to what a boring person I am, but I love <laughs> Disaster movies, when they get into the nitty-gritty of government protocol and how they're going to deal with the disaster. Yeah. Like, 
not a huge fan of like zombie movies where they don't really get into like what are we going to do about it guys they're just trying to survive it's I'm gonna, super boring to me once again I'm going to say put your money where your mouth is and watch <laughs> Shin Godzilla that is all that movie okay, is okay I'm it into is, it let's it do it it is a scathing condemnation of bureaucracy and the inefficiency of the I Japanese government in the face being of disaster cast. I want to see the hard decisions being made. You'll have to learn more bureaucrats than The Wire watching Shin Godzilla. And it, it, it'll, it's it's awesome. Why did I turn this to Shin Godzilla? I'm the one that I'm the one that's mad at the movie The Post because they didn't show the Supreme Court scenes. <laughs> uh, but this movie has Robert Duvall, Taya Leone, Morgan Freeman, Elijah Wood, Vanessa Redgrave, uh, Maximilian Schell, and Lili Sobieski, and 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 more. There are a ton of people in this film. And again, I, Armageddon slowly picks off a couple of people, and then. Bruce Willis makes a big sacrifice, and I don't care if I spoiled it. The whole crew of this this journey makes a giant sacrifice. The whole cast, most of the cast dies in the movie. Uh, but Deep Impact, yeah. it has made me shed a manly tear, like more so than like Field of, it's my generation's Field of Dreams. How about that? Mm. That's a terrible... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> terrible thing to say. Um, but I, I will say it is the second edition, I think, Diana, you can correct me on this, of the... Jeffrey Katzenberg, let's steal this shit from Disney and make it first kind of thing. That's why we mm. talk about Armageddon and Deep mm-hmm, Impact in the mm-hmm. same breath and Ants in a Bug's Life. Mm-hmm. He was working at mm-hmm. Disney and shepherding these projects. And he's like, I know, not saying he stole the idea of a comet movie. It's not a fucking great idea. Uh, or a, look, what if, what if people were bugs? He just made sure, like, I know Disney's doing this and we have a script. Let's get it out before them and take some of their heat. And they kind of did. Wasn't there a volcano, Dante's Inferno? There was. Okay. This was DreamWorks, I think, second the second time they like cut the shins off of Disney. Huh. Like three months before huh. their big ten-pole summer movie comes out, they have a variation on it that comes out first. But where we're standing, which one do you remember? Mm. We all most people remember Armageddon and Bugs Life. Remember the Anthony dumb Pan. one. Well, they <laughs> so also have the dumb. very beautiful and moving wedding song mm. by Army or by um, Don't wanna close my eyes. I yes. love it. Every night before I make love to my woman, I do a little <laughs> animal cracker play across her belly. Uh, it's fantastic. Movie where yeah, the earth is saved from devastation by wagging your dick at something. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll get there. It's okay. Coming uh, up soon. Uh, we'll move into television of 1998, May 4th through the 10th. All right, already concludes, which was so not notable we didn't even look up what it meant. Uh, I, I don't know why I keep going in and looking into home improvement episodes. <laughs> home improvement, Rebel Without Night Driving Privileges is the title of the episode. Uh, JTT isn't allowed to drive at night because Brad, fucking Brad, fucked up his first the first day he got his license, which you can see I'd like to think in Tokyo Drift during a Kid Rock song. Uh, but this is, I don't know why I remember this moment, but it's the mother admitting she was wrong and she should allow Randy to drive at night. I think we can think about why you might want to remember this. Why? Let's, let's do a deep psychoanalytic dive on that one. Mm. <laughs> All right, I'm back. Let me have it. Randy, where have you been? I was just driving around. Randy. Mom, I, I realize it was stupid for me to take the car, but I felt if I was being punished, I might as well do something to deserve it. Oh, God. I have been a nervous wreck. I'm sorry, Mom. I just thought that I was getting a raw deal. Well, you were. I know you're a good driver. I shouldn't have let Brad's accident affect the way that I treated you. I was wrong. Wait, let me get this straight. Did you just say you were wrong? <laughs> oh, man. And Tim comes in as a total uh, Fonzie uh, moment. Wrong. <laughs> yes. Uh, that is not the most notable sitcom episode of this week. Not by a fucking long shot. 
Uh, we're getting to it, people. I can't believe this is the second to last episode of Seinfeld. Second mm. highest rated. Second highest watched. rated. Yeah. And that would be the Puerto Rican Day Parade, which I can't. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I, dear. I can't confirm is still airable. I think they may have cut something out of it they, and they air it in reruns. They did not air it again in syndication until 2002. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they cut anything out. I, in preparation for today, will just watched it again. Mm-hmm. And there's some rough parts, but there are some <laughs> really funny jokes still in it, though, that have nothing to do with the Puerto Rican Day Parade, which kind of makes me sad that it, it people does, seen it. For some reason, this same year, I was at the Puerto Rican Day Parade in New York. Hmm. And it's fucking huge, by the way. It was crazy. It was like one of the biggest parades I've ever seen in my life until I went to the Macy's one. Uh, but it, I think every, like half the episodes of Always Sunny in Philadelphia end exactly like this. Seinfeld was just a network sitcom and had a harder time getting away with something a little edgier. Honestly, the most objectionable part to this episode was when Kramer accidentally sets the Puerto Rican right. flag on fire and is stomping on it to put and out the fire. On it. That's, well, I think, probably, though, like the most objectionable joke, unless I missed something no, else No, the, the Puerto, Puerto Rican uh, advocacy, advocacy groups objected to not Kramer stomping on the flag, but, like, why do you assume all Puerto Ricans are violent maniacs who can't understand stomping a flaming flag with context? Mm. Uh, instead, you get this piece of comedy gold. Hey, there's a guy burning the Puerto Rican flag! <laughs> who? Who is burning the flag? <laughs> Not very nice. Actually, did you know what day this is? Because I know what day this is. They know what day this is. So I was wondering if you know what day this is. Because it's Puerto Rican Day. Maybe we should have stumped you like you have stumped the flag. What do you think of that? Look, I just have one thing to say to you boys. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But also, like, the big part of this joke is that those two guys are two... Recurring characters. Yes, that, you, that have terrorized the cast or terrorized each other throughout the whole Well, I think series. they brought them back exclusively as one of them is Puerto Rican. Yes. And I, I can't even name them, but they're one of the more obscure Seinfeld periphery characters. They look kind of like someone from West Side Story and Bubbles from Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> well, <laughs> and they also, I believe their first appearance is in the other most famous episode, The Soup Nazi. Oh. Where uh, there, uh, someone on the cast, I can't remember who, is defending an armoire on the street and trying not to let someone yes. buy it, and they want to come buy it, and the yes. armoire contains the, the soup recipes. Nazis recipes. Yeah, I sorry about that. We were a Seinfeld family, so I we would argue over in Living Color and Seinfeld, Oof. but you will see, uh, you will see the soup Nazi again in just seven days. Uh, but hang on, people. Not this episode. Is that a threat? Yeah, it's a threat. <laughs> uh, also a threat, Diana. What if I stop showing Wizard of Oz annually to you on network television? Then you're a bastard. Then that would... CBS on May 8th is a bastard. No, it's a bastard the next year. Because they did air Wizard of Oz. But this is the last time? Wow. That's hard to believe. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the last time on network TV. Because Turner had the rights as part of the MGM library. And, uh, I mean, it was shown usually annually, usually in the spring, going back to 1956. Um, And then the WB picked it up for a couple of years. And now it's like around Thanksgiving on TNT. But, yeah, like the whole time I was growing up, it's like that's, you know, an annual traditional thing. There's Ten Commandments at Passover slash Easter. 
and then Wizard of Oz sometime around the same time. Yeah, if you were like and, me and not a sports fan, this is one of the only annual traditions my family kind of engaged in other than Christmas specials. Yeah, and the idea of like going back to 1956, back mm-hmm. when if you wanted to see Wizard of Oz, maybe uh, it gets shown in a theater. Yeah. Maybe it's near you. Maybe you can go see it. It's not like you could just get it on VHS or DVD. And to have it like an annual tradition help build it up as this beloved movie. It was so nuts looking looking into the idea. It took that away from us. Looking into the idea of like 20 years removed, like Wizard of Oz is this watershed moment for cinema and it had never been on TV. In the 1950s when it aired for the first time, people lost their fucking mind. Because they, yeah. didn't, they didn't think and the medium of film would work on television. Parts. That's right. That's the funny part. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. On black and white TV, she opens the door into Oz and it looks the wow. same. Wow, more Everyone's monochrome. Like, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, oh, great. it you looks know, exactly the same. Music is telling us something important's happening. <laughs> uh, to, to combat that, ABC airs the best commercials you've never seen, and I can't believe they got away with it. Um, and near and dear to me, uh, King of the Hill airs Peggy's Turtle Song. Uh, in this episode, Bobby is is possibly diagnosed with a disorder, and uh, Peggy and Hank struggle over what to do. I've diagnosed your son with attention deficit disorder. He's probably had it for years. What? Well, how come nobody ever noticed this before? Very few people have access to the pamphlets. I do. Here, take one. <laughs> huh. You know, I have noticed the boy's mind wanders sometimes when I'm lecturing him. A mental disorder would explain that. Personally, I recommend putting him on one of the many popular ADD medications now available. I don't like the idea of putting my boy on drugs. Isn't there some kind of operation? Your only other option is to send him to the special school across town. He'll have to wear a uniform. Can he button his own shirt? You bastards. <laughs> yes, as a young lad who struggled with ADD or whatever you want to call it throughout this very time period, this episode is very meaningful to me because it's the first show I ever saw really tackle that, especially in a silly way. I appreciate how uh, Hank wants a surgery instead of just giving him a pill. A one-stop solution. You can't blame the man. I don't know. If it was but, a car, you'd fix it. Bobby is so, he's so slow and calm Kinda, as yeah. a kid. He doesn't seem very ADD, except that, you know, kids can't focus just in general. They get distracted, but it's not like he's running amok. In this episode, they amp it up. But I also like the scene immediately following it where him and Peggy discuss this. Ritalin, Silert, Tofranil, Desipramine. (laughs) All sounds like goofathol to me. What if this is all my fault? A mother should be there for her baby when he's in trouble, not halfway across town. Oh, sure, I'm a hotshot substitute teacher, but sometimes I don't even have time to make my own son breakfast. Huh. Well, it is called attention deficit disorder. Maybe the boy's not getting enough attention. Sometimes I think I should just quit my job and devote myself full-time to being a mother. But, you know, what am I saying? Quit my job? That's crazy talk. Now, wait a minute, Peggy. Crazy is a very strong word. You're just thinking out loud. Bobby's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Again, that clip is great. You didn't get to see Hank Hill's like, he loves the idea of his wife not working and staying home all day with the kid. Oh, but she's so dedicated to being sometimes a substitute teacher. A hotshot one at that. (laughs) Oh, she's a career woman, damn it. And we wouldn't have Diana here uh, unless we discussed the Eurovision Song Contest winner. Is that this week? Oh, yeah. Uh, Eurovision, a song contest that America's never invited to. No. <laughs> Even though we have the best songs. No, but freaking Malta gets to go. Really? And in this case, uh, Israel gets to go. And Israel wins with 
Dana International's diva, and uh, Dana International's a trans woman. Uh, so that was kind of a big landmark thing if everyone just went, oh, yeah, it's a woman you singing a disco song. didn't even okay. have to tell me that. Wow. Dana International is that greater name. I just knew. It's a great name. I yeah, just she's, knew. She's gorgeous, too. So. My old bats. Um, and I guess we got to jump out of television, and the only notable game I could see released in this period, May 4th to the 10th, 1998, is a really good one. Uh, Squaresoft releases Einhinder. Squaresoft's kind of known for your Final Fantasy whatnots. They make a lot fewer games in uh, in their wheelhouse, but this is them branching out from their wheelhouse, making fighting games and action-adventure games. And this is a flight shooter game that is really, really cool. I really like the music in this game. I, do, I think it's been re-released in the PlayStation Network. I thoroughly encourage you to check out uh, Einhinder if you want a polygonal shmup. That's a pejorative word to a lot of gamers. But uh, shoot them up. Like a plane that shoots stuff that flies at you. Yeah. Like, a, like a revamped version of Galica with better music. But we will go out with Viva La Diva by Dana International. Sit right there, people. We will see you in 2008. internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner where we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of may 4th through 10th uh, i mean no real strong recommends like we've had lately but uh, a couple i'll definitely throw out one from 75 years ago this week may 7th 1943 is uh jean renoir's this land is mine which is uh british war propaganda that's kind of perfect in its propagandaness because it's a what if movie if like what if britain was under nazi occupation and what if they started arresting people and charles lawton's like fuck this bullshit and it was like i was kind of surprised that it was like oh this is like a good movie but really clearly propaganda see also this week we had uh five graves to cairo which is a kind of forgotten billy wilder movie um about rommel and getting holed up in a uh hotel in the desert and drama it's not very billy wilder-ish so can't really recommend and for animation fans it is the 75th anniversary of red hot riding hood the awesome tex avery super sexy jessica rabbity kind of uh cartoon so if you want to watch something short it's seven minutes long and it's tons of fun so that's it for this week stay classic Coming in with Worlds Away by From First to Last off their self-titled album debut this week. Uh, is that a one-hit wonder? I have not heard from of this band ever in my life. Is it a hit? Is it a hit, Dying? <laughs> I believe it was a little bit of a hit. Okay. <laughs> it's got a professional-looking video, I'll say that. And its own Vivo page, which none of my bands have. Um, but we're in 2008. If that wasn't completely clear, May 4th through the 10th, you have new releases. On My Way Here by Clay Aiken. Momofuku by Elvis Costello. Uh, Gavin DeGraw's eponymous uh, second album, Where in the World, the second album, and Wonder in the World by uh, Kelly O'Hara. Bleeding Love by Leona? Leona? Did I say? Leona? Yes. Leona Lewis is still numero uno. Not a bad song. Also in the news, Iron Man is still number one at the box office. Glory be. When am I going to be able to talk about a Marvel movie again? Oh, it's going to be Incredible Hulk. That's no fun.
That's <laughs> no fun. That might be the worst one. Mm. I'll have to triple check. Oh. I, I can actually go to bat for most of it. It it does feel a lot like the old show, which I only know being star for Marvel content, watching those TV movies on VHS, The Trial of the Incredible Hulk. Uh, that, that movie felt a lot like that, except with Brazil being the setting instead of every lonely road in L.A. Um, <laughs> but we're in the movies of 2008, May 4th through the 10th. We have uh, oof, What Happens in Vegas, starring Cameron Diaz and Ashton Kutcher. Here's the one place where you can step up and be a man. Community college. Where can you go? You can forget all your troubles. Vegas! Vegas! Vegas. Come on, one drink. Your Vegas isn't exactly my Vegas. Well, maybe it should be. I'm not usually this much fun! Oh, so is this where Ashton Ugh. Kutcher and Cameron Diaz get married to one another yes. and try and make it work? <laughs> this is a, yet another thing, and I, I I live in a small world, admittedly, where like I cannot believe they're making a whole movie out of that Simpsons episode. <laughs> like I can't believe that. Just... So every now and every couple of years, I go through a phase where I'm like, I'm going to go back and watch these real basic romantic comedies <laughs> that <laughs> I'm supposed to have liked, but I missed out on. And I did that. I watched this in a fit of that one time, and I... Oh, I got real angry that Lake Bell was once again. Just oh fuck, the Lake funny... Bell's in it. Yeah, they just showed her. Yeah, oh, I love Lake Bell. And Rob Corddry are the two like funny sidekicks, and it made me real sad. It's the leads because... of Children's Hospital slumming it in a major Hollywood mm, motion picture. And in a world, yes. love that movie. <laughs> I love in a world. I do have to say though, what happens in Vegas did start my lifelong obsession with learning how to saber a champagne bottle because Cameron Diaz Ooh. does it in the movie, and I'm now. I what, won't rest that? until I do it. It's where you... Is that where you knock off the top? Yes, with a sword. Oh, it feels... I saw my friend do it on Facebook just yesterday. It looked terrifying. I want to do it so bad. Does that make it... Oh, uh, yeah. I have a friend that can do that. It's. Uh, it took a lot of broken bottles. I can imagine. <laughs> well, first I got to get a sword. So that's... <laughs> I'm on it. Sarah, that I can do. I don't I do... know where to get champagne, but I can get you a sword. Okay. Well, I got the champagne on lock. How do you feel about how do you feel like something from Zelda? What are we looking at here? Oh. <laughs> okay, but uh, yeah, if you don't like that conversation, you're going to hate talking about the Wachowski <laughs> Speed Racer, which is also out this week and kind of awesome, starring Emil Hirsch, Christina Ricci, John Goodman, Susan Sarandon, and Matthew Fox. Speed Racer. You walk away from me. You walk away from this deal. No matter how well you drive, you won't win. You won't place. I guarantee you right now, you won't even finish the race. You think you can drive a car and change the world? It doesn't work like that. Maybe not. But it's the only thing I know how to do when I gotta do something. Ooh, this movie, man, is so worth talking about. So I we're talking about. Tried to watch this recently, so we could talk about it. Yes, this week, mm-hmm. because I know a lot of people defend the visual style of it because it is so extreme. Yeah, and yes, it looks like nothing else. And notice, I said I tried to watch it. <laughs> not that I did watch it. I mean, that... I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I don't know why. I just I couldn't do it. It looks other... like a seizure machine. Yeah, and on our other <laughs> podcast, our buddy is a big car fan, uh, uh, Mike Rem, went to bat for this movie because, like, if you grew up with Speed Racer, and I did, like, I really did like the show, even though, like, this looks boring, like an old '60s show. Oh my god, so many people died. This is such an interesting program. I love Speed Racer. It's in, every episode's in five parts. It's awesome, and it's. I saw the movie and I had the thought that Diana probably had. This is fucking stupid, but it's, <laughs> but it's authentic. The Wachowskis didn't fuck around and like we're just gonna make a big screen speed racer movie. We're not gonna deviate that much from the tone of the show. Everybody is still dressed. 
like the characters. Neckerchiefs and all. There is a monkey companion. Chim Chim is full. Anybody would have cut him out, put a robot in there or something like that, or like a like a, like a magic iPod. No, there's just a monkey that hangs out in the trunk with a little boy with a dumb hat. That's all in the fucking movie. I, I think there's a lot. I don't know. I think this is one of those movies that it's an, one of the most interesting failures I've ever seen in my life. When The more I look at it, the more I see they really went for something here. And it didn't quite pan out, but it'll never not be fascinating. That's a like, good way to put it. It's it's an experiment. It's an attempt. I mean, like I said, it, it has a very I don't know. I've never been a big fan of the Wachowskis. Like I've we've You're talked crazy. about many times. I don't like any of the Matrix movies, even oh. the first one. What about Cloud um, Atlas? That's the same way I talk about Cloud Atlas. Uh, Cloud Atlas, I actually I might have liked better. <laughs> I love Cloud Atlas. Most people <laughs> shit on it. Visually interesting, and this mm-hmm. it, it is weird to think that they also did Cloud Atlas. The mm-hmm. you know this is like. This is the previous movie to Cloud Atlas, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the visual styles are so very similar. different. No, no, no. In, in the, the future segment of Cloud Atlas is very similar to the racetracks in Speed Racer, especially the escape mm. sequence. Uh, and I think maybe they got some they got some racy chops uh, by, by doing CG stuff on Speed Racer. And I think it, 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 its big fault there is the shittiest sequences in the Star Wars prequels where they have like Hayden Christensen like suspended from a fake speeder and pan around him like this looks fucking awful. There's some <laughs> there's some of that in Speed Racer, but it's still it's still mm. tonally like every, I get compelled, I get sucked into it very easily and like I, I admire that the Wachowskis at the time had the clout to make this type of movie instead of like I, altering it make it dirtier and grittier for the modern age. Yeah, that yeah. that would have been really stupid i just kind of feel like why didn't you just make a computer animated movie right that's how i usually feel about stuff like this just leave leave poor emil hirsch and john goodman at home <laughs> let them just that voice the characters john they don't have goodman, to put on the silly outfits john goodman as pops in his stupid mustache and 70s pants yelling at speed racer which is his name <laughs> that's his name well sure he's a monkey named chim chim so what do we expect <laughs> on the naming conventions here but Matthew Fox is is Racer X Speed Secret Brother, which he doesn't know about. Uh, like I don't know. This is I don't know. If you grew up with Speed Racer, it's amazing. I think if you look at my Facebook cover photo, it will reveal Christopher is a fan of Speed Racer. I seen it. Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Just like this movie, I think, kind mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. But I, I I don't know. A very interesting experiment by the Wachowskis. I'd say if you have a, a vague interest, don't fuck the critics. The critics didn't get it, and I understand why. Check it out. Make sure you check it out. Especially, it was one of the first things I rented on Blu-ray and Netflix mail order service. I upped, I upped my sub to get Blu-rays for Ooh. this movie. Did they speed up the actors talking there, or do you think they were really talking that fast? Uh, I love the guy you heard is the guy who plays the Bill O'Reilly character in V for Vendetta. Oh. England prevails. It's like uh-huh, it's like uh-huh. the the next thing I saw him in was in Speed Racer playing the exact same character, and that's all I want to see from that fella. <laughs> Wish I knew his name. He's worth it. Um, anything else in Speed Racer, y'all's? No. Oh, come on. I'm I just, I can't. <laughs> Ladies, come on. Give Speed Racer some love. Wait a minute. Did you watch What Happens in Vegas? <laughs> no. Okay, then. All right. <laughs> Tushy, Tushy. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll move to TV of 2008. Uh, May 4th, Amer- May 4th, American Dad, uh, Office Spaceman. I've seen this episode. I don't know why. Roger gets a job at the CIA with Stan. Hey, Stan, want a carpool to work? Name's Agent Parker Peters. My sister Samantha was abducted by aliens when I was 12. Now I chase little green men. Isn't it Moldo's backstory from the X-Files? Is it? No. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure I came up with it first. When was the X-Files? Was it before a few seconds ago? I wanted... <laughs> 
Back in hor- horrible television, May 4th. Remember we talked about the writer strike earlier? Yes. Uh, there's a, yep. that, this is how it works. There's a writer strike, and then six months from then, you can see the ripples of the writer strike because there's nobody making shit. CBS owns Showtime uh, through their parent company, Viacom, so they decide to sanitize Dexter episodes for CBS. And I watched. Oh, jeez! Yikes! And so for that season, and they're gonna have to, and they have to cut out what? How many minutes? You, Twelve minutes from each episode to fit it in with commercials. Tbh, Diana, I think that was one of the things that made me hate Dexter is how easily <laughs> it nestled onto CBS, minus a few gory sequences. It was overly long monologues, him talking to the ghost of his dad which officially became the ghost of his dad and not his inner psyche after a while because the show is so fucking terrible. Um, but this, to me, was the worst. Like, it wasn't even the first season of Dexter. They just started airing third season of Dexter on CBS like to an audience that had never heard of it. They were airing, airing, airing Canadian shows. They were doing whatever they could to get scripted content on the air during the writer's strike. Uh, but it started on May 4th, 2008. Um, also, How I Met Your Mother. Uh, rebound, bro. Uh, this is one of the reasons Sarah's here, because she was since I've known her, she's like, this is a good show, and you should stop shitting on it without having seen it. It's true. There are some very, very good jokes. Probably at least one, at least one very good joke in every episode of How I Met Your Mother. Sorry, guys. No, which is a good good statistic to have yeah. for a show that lasted 10 seasons. No, it's... And for a sitcom, yeah, it's, it's a show, every time I catch it, I end up liking it, and I just yeah. never remember to catch it. Yeah. And, and this episode is especially good because it contains Will Forte. Yes, a great guest star. As Woo! a really bad wingman who... And I don't know what clip you're about to show. And we should never forget that... that Neil Patrick Harris, it, 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 I think the most accepted mainstream gay man, was playing a womanizer. True. This whole time, yep. and it's it's so interesting, convincingly, convincingly. Yeah, and it uh, he needs a new wingman, and he finds one in Will Forte, but he is bad at it. What is your favorite thing about koala bears? Bear <laughs> meat is delicious. <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, he's getting a nosebleed yes. as he's saying that to the woman. <laughs> uh, yeah. yes. My favorite thing is they're not bears, they're marsupials. Get the fuck out of my face. Nice work, nice work, Diana. She slips that into it's every episode. It's a good episode. thing I'm married because I'm, not... I'm bad at dating. Okay. You just get uh, flirty with facts. We all are, we all are, but I get to enjoy myself. Um, uh, May 8th, the office job fair. Again, the office, uh, like dealing with a writer strike. I think we said it in previous episodes. The most prominent members of the writer strike, because almost every cast member was a writer on the show. You'll see that as we go throughout the season. Um, but the office job fair and just this uh, wonderful sequence of someone trying to get it. Dunder Mifflin showing up at a job fair trying to get people to work at a paper company. Hello there. What is this company? Well, it's funny that you should ask because it's really. More than a company. Dunder Mifflin Paper. Thanks. It... Okay. Damn it, Oscar. Yeah, I'm trying to lure these kids into my booth, but uh, <laughs> kids are very wary of being lured these days. Thank you, Dateline. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, man. I'm gonna like that Comedy Central office reruns. I love it. I love it. Love it all day. And on May 9th, Merv yep. Griffin's crossword concludes. What? I'm pretty sure Merv wow. Griffin was dead by now, and he, I don't he, think he had the name yes? recognition, whoever the fuck thought he had. Is this a game show? Crossword. Yeah, it's it exactly ran for quite a while, yeah. too. I remember it at least in the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Merv Griffin was, um, 
he was famous like he was a singer he was sort of a host of things but mm-hmm. mostly he was an incredibly clever businessman who made every game show yeah yeah absolutely uh, and uh, yeah just a seminal producer and um moving to video games you'll never guess speed racer has a wii game what it's much what a coincidence it's much worse than the movie i sure i assure you yikes but also supremely interesting um i know i've had to rekindle diana's memory of this the wii was a sensation across demographics. Everybody had a Wii. Did you have a Wii, Sarah? There was a Wii in my house. Right. So, like, everybody had touched a Wii, and the Wii was so successful, Electronic Arts somehow lured Steven Spielberg in. It was a huge announcement. Steven Spielberg oh, was going to produce... I think I know what this is. Right. He was going to produce two games, and I think only one came to fruition, but they were codenamed, like, RSQT and PQ4. What is Steven Spielberg going to make? And what he made was a waggle Tetris game called Boom Blocks. <laughs> it, it, it had his name emblazoned across it. It is forgotten by time. But Steven Spielberg's Boom Box debuted this week on Wii. Uh, Boom Blocks, B-L-O-X, just so you can find it on whatever you emulate things on. Wait, what's a waggle Tetris? Tetris. Waggle Tetris? It's like where you hold a wand at shit instead uh-huh. of using a superior oh. analog cursor to move things around. Gotcha. Um, oh, but it's fun. It's it is one fun. of those few games that I've played because what do I have to do? Uh, throw a thing. <laughs> okay. Throw a thing. There's is no it, failing. Basically, is it one button? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, I'm on it. I feel like I could be into that. See, and that is it for 302010, folks. Please leave us a comment, 302010.net or lasertimepodcast.com. Thanks to our partners at Wondery for everything they do. We've been doing this for two years, and I, I, I have heard back episodes are really, really fun to listen to. So we encourage you to check those out as well. This is an ADD romp through everything we've ever known and loved. And I, I'm very happy we got uh, Sarah on board to experience that little roller coaster with us this week. Yay. Me too. Um, but is this where we do plugs, Di? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so check out our sister show, uh, Laser Time, and we have Bonus Time, a show just for people who support us on Patreon. We are 99% listener-supported through crowdfunding at patreon.com slash lasertime. We will give you an exclusive weekly show every single week, as well as over 100-plus movie commentaries and video commentaries. You can sync up with anything you'd like. We did, uh, uh, what did we do? Bloodsport. We did Clerks recently. So if you wanted to watch those movies with friends like us, you can do that. Uh, Patreon.com slash LaserTime. Thank you so much to the people who have helped us keep going for almost two years. Thank you so much. Diana, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on the Twitters at LeCineNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D. And Sarah, are you down to do another episode, Sarah? Absolutely. Nice. That's the greatest plug we can hope for. <laughs> Diana, we got to move into the deaths. Oh, sad death. Uh, 1988 this week, we lost uh, Robert Heinlein. He was 80. One of the grandfathers godfathers i guess of uh, modern science fiction really I, yeah. I don't know i don't recognize his name how so hmm. uh, stranger in a strange land you wrote that no yeah yeah stranger in a strange land didn't he <laughs> yes sure yeah. that's and, that, and that's science right. fiction that's good. yes yes I it's only, a book it's where the word grok comes from i only recognize yes. it from a billy joel song i'm sorry hmm. <laughs> it's somewhere buried ah. and we didn't start the fire so it's, that means it's important. It's one of ten <laughs> things he mentions for a decade. Um, anyway, but with with the births we have, with the deaths we have, the births. Oh, birthday! Sarah, take the quiz with me. Birthday okay. quiz. Who All was right. born? All right, I'm I'm hoping I'm pulling for Sarah on this one. Oh come on! Uh, you'll you'll understand why in a second. Oh, so born May fifth, nineteen eighty eight. Happy Cinco de Mayo. She is turning thirty. Uh, she got a recording contract based on a demo her friend posted on MySpace. I know uh, I shouldn't say she Shakira is... just because it's Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> We're throwing it out there. 
Okay, well, now she's halfway to an EGOT. Uh, her albums are titled After Her Age at the Time, starting oh, with 19. Yep. Nice. Adelaide! Yay! Adelaide. I know, so adorably. Adele. She hasn't put out an Adele. album since 25, and now she's 30. Wow. Come on, Adele. Really? Get on it, lady. I had no idea. I picked up her 21 on vinyl the other day. I mean, picked it up in my hands. I did not buy that. I do like Adele, though. I'm not fucking around. Uh, but damn it. God damn it. Is that the only birthday? Just doing the one. So I lost. All right. Yep. For the wiki people keeping score, uh, I have been unseated from my, my throne. <laughs> At least six, <laughs> six uh, un, un, unanimous weeks. You uh, know I murdered that <laughs> trivia, bro. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah, Sarah and I are doing trivia out here, Di. You got to get out here. We'll oh, yeah. That's the only place they're doing trivia oh. anywhere. Bitch, look how look how sassy she is. Now that she's not in the same room with me. <laughs> anyway, that's thirty twenty ten people. We'll see you next week. Let's close out with four minutes by Madonna featuring Justin Timberlake. Hey, remember last week when we had Madonna's album came out and you're like, I don't know any songs from that. Well, there's one. And it's fun. <laughs>